everyone. Welcome back to the Shine a Light on series. Today we will be shining a light on navigating imposter syndrome with Ami Patel. Welcome, Ami. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. Thank you for joining us. And just to start it off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. So hi, everyone. My name is Ami Patel. I'm currently a second year master's student at the University of Southern California. For that, I was studying at UC Irvine for four years. I did my bachelor's there in computer science and business, had an amazing time. And I'm currently aspiring to be a product manager. So and I've also interned at companies like Tesla and Splunk. So I have a lot of experience in the tech industry. But most importantly, I've also had my fair share of failures. And even though like on the surface, it might seem like I'm very successful, I'm doing these great things. There's a lot of work that people don't see. So I'm really excited to chat today about more about that, but we'll get into that in a bit. Yes, I'm excited to chat about this as well. And I feel like imposter syndrome is almost a buzzword right now. More people know about it. But for those who do not know already, what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is definitely the buzzword currently. And I feel like a lot of people are throwing it around. So I mean, by definition, it's this psychological feeling that, you know, you're a fraud. You feel underdeserving. You kind of undermine your hard work and effort. You say like, oh, it's because I was lucky or I I don't know if I deserve it. And then you doubt your work abilities. And overall, you're just feeling like your whole self-worth is not enough. And then you fear that other people are going to see you as an imposter, as a fraud, that they're not actually this great person. So that's kind of what my definition imposter syndrome is. I feel like nowadays it's kind of thrown where if you're doubtful of your abilities, it's also thrown. So I feel like the scope of the word has been expanded in recent times, but essentially it's this feeling of, you know, you feel like you're a fraud or an imposter. That was a great definition. Thank you for that. The worst part about it is everyone goes through it and no one thinks anyone else is going through it. Yeah, that is so true. And I totally agree. I think it's so interesting because you're just like, oh, no one understands. No one can feel this. But in reality, many of us or even most of us in college go through it at least once, if not more. Definitely. So from that, what are some of your experiences in terms of facing imposter syndrome? I feel that I've I've had like my first true realization of imposter syndrome during my time at UC Irvine. It was my undergraduate college career. And I feel that many people face their first depression in college. And the reason for that is college is like the first time we're surrounded by like this most diverse group of people, you know, in high school, middle school. I feel like we're still kind of young and figuring things out and we don't really understand the t- true depth of our inner self. And college is a place where you're actually exploring different avenues. So I feel like that's when we begin to really introspect and realize who we are, what have we done, and where we stand in comparison to like others in like the real world sense, because you know, we're trying to build our careers. And this especially comes with exams and the job search. And so that's where it came for me is during my senior year, I was trying to figure out like what career path I wanted to take. I was applying for different companies. Um, I was trying to get a job, you know, in Silicon Valley at one of the at a leading tech company. And for some reason, I still felt super underqualified, even though I had these aspirations, you know, compared to my peers, I was, I was saying like, oh, I'm just not good at coding. I can't complete these projects easily. Like I always have to ask for help. And like, why do I always have to ask for help? And it sucked because I felt like I was like not capable of accomplishing anything on my own. When in reality, I was doing so much at the time. And 
instead of being grateful and, you know, sort of giving myself a break that, oh, I am capable or that I've accomplished so much, I continue to blame myself for not taking more. And what that led me to do was just overwork and burn out myself. And that's a true symptom of imposter syndrome is like you get burned out because you're so hard on yourself. And then even when an opportunity does come for your way, or, you know, I, I later on realized that, oh, like I got this interview or something, I was like so grateful. I didn't attribute it to my work. I, I was just like, oh, I must have just been lucky. Like they drawn my like name out of a hat. It's these little things that where you don't give yourself enough credit, I think, is where I truly face imposter syndrome my senior year. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I do think that imposter syndrome really gets at overachievers and perfectionists. I think it hurts those people a lot. It seems like everyone sort of goes through their own version of imposter syndrome. But if you are an overachiever or a perfectionist, I think it just hurts a little bit more. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that you brought up that point because I think especially with social media, we have this image of people like from the outside, they're this founder or they're this great president or whatever achievements they are, because that's what we show on social media. Nowadays it's changing, which is great. But I feel that before, at least, it was just putting your best self out there and not showing what exists behind the scenes. That's where, you know, people who are overachievers and who are perfectionists, they tend to just put that image of themselves there. And so people don't realize that they're actually like hustling super hard behind the scenes. They'll be up late night, they'll be putting all nighters. I myself am guilty. Like I remember distinctively, I would go eating once a day at times, or I even forgot to eat till like 5, 6 p.m. Like, and I would start my day like at you know, 10 a.m. So I had really poor eating habits, but it just didn't occur to my mind like, oh, I need to go eat. Like I kind of just was working so much that I just lost sight of it. That's where I feel that you tend to put your work first and not put yourself first. So you feel like you need to compensate for something that you don't have when you already have it. I definitely agree with that. There were times when I was really in the thick of it, of trying to prove myself and grow professionally. And I think in in those times, I had those days too, where it's like, ah, it's dinner time and I'm having my first meal. That's when imposter syndrome hits even harder because you can look at your whole day and you're like, I'm working so hard. I'm working all the time that I don't even eat till dinner. And how is this not paying off? And why do I feel like lesser than the people around me still? Exactly. I totally can sympathize with that feeling of just things aren't working out and you get frustrated. And then on top of that, you still feel like it's not enough. And that's where I feel that you fall deeper into imposter syndrome, which I hope people are getting better at. And I think they are, especially with people talking about it. Yeah. And on that note, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like a lot of people have a better understanding of it, at least that it exists. And it feels pretty normalized as a term, as a phrase in the English language. How human do you think it is to experience imposter syndrome? I feel that imposter syndrome is pretty normal. For most people. And I say that because in college, especially, a lot of people are going through it, but we don't realize it. I think that's why we haven't humanized it yet, is because we haven't talked about it. But now that we're really talking about it, we're diving into deeper, we're humanizing it a bit that it's okay to feel this way. But where I draw the line is when you start to take imposter syndrome and let that mindset truly enable how you act. I think it's okay to feel sometimes feel down. Like two weeks ago, I just got rejected from a job that I really thought that I was going to get 
get the offer for. And I felt like everything was in my favor. And then I got rejected. And then I, I couldn't help but blame it on, oh, it's because I don't have a product experience. I'm not capable enough. I just couldn't help it that day. But the next day I wake up and I'm just like, oh, you know, I let myself feel down for that bit. The next day I'm going to wake up and look at my accomplishments and be like, hey, I am still worthy. I'm still capable. I have the skills I, I need to have. I just need to go out there and someone will say yes. So when I what I mean by that is you can be sad for one day and you can doubt yourself every now and then, but you don't want to let imposter syndrome drive your life is what I'm getting at. That's what I mean by it can be human to experience imposter syndrome. Everyone feels down. You're not going to be a cheery person every day. Just don't let it drive your life is all I'm saying. Yes, I really love that you said that. I also think being sad, feeling emotions in general is also becoming more normalized as we talk more about mental health. I agree with you. Feeling imposter syndrome is feeling sad or feeling an emotion and those need to happen, right? If we want to compare it to being happy, like we can't know what happiness feels like if we're never sad. Yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't have said it better. It's the same thing with success and failure. I feel that we place so much of an emphasis on success that we need to be successful. But the thing is, would you really realize what success feels like if you haven't failed so many times? The true essence of success and why it means so much to us is because we failed so much till that point when we get that point of success that it feels so accomplishing to us that we feel that we, we made a mark because of all the failures that came before and that led up to that moment. Exactly. I love that. I love that. And now that we've sort of tied imposter syndrome to an emotion and, and something that makes us human, I just want to bring up a story or a little anecdote. As I was interviewing for a job probably around a year ago, a recruiter told me that when students are asked what their biggest weakness is, the most common answer, at least that this recruiter was getting at the time, was imposter syndrome. Like students would say, this is my weakness. Do you see it as a weakness? That's a really interesting question. I want to say it's not a weakness because I feel like it goes back to what we just mentioned is I feel that imposter syndrome makes you human. It's an emotion. It's a feeling that that I can't. All my work is due to luck, that all my work is under-deserving. That's why I don't think it's a weakness, because I think posture syndrome has more to do with your mindset. When I think weakness, I think, especially when you're talking to a recruiter, when I think weakness, I think, you know, you can be weak in building things or technical things or, or like certain soft skills. But by no means, I think imposter syndrome is a weakness. I think, if anything, when you overcome imposter syndrome, you become stronger as a person and mentally even though like at the time I can see why people would say imposter syndrome is a weakness because you're not as confident. You might not come off as someone who's sure in what they want to do or who's sure in what they're able to do because you know when you're imposter syndrome, you're doubting your abilities to perform. So when you say it's a weakness, you're, that means you're saying like it's hindering your ability to perform. I feel that imposter syndrome, when you overcome it, I feel like that shows a bigger side of your character that you've accepted that you've gone through these emotions. You accepted that you had challenged yourself to feel that you, you weren't worthy enough or you didn't do enough. But now you've reached the point where you've accepted that whatever you've performed or whatever accomplishments you achieved, the work you've done so far is worthy, is enough, and that you are capable. And I think that says so much more about who you are than saying that, oh, it's a weakness that I'm going through. Obviously, people get over imposter syndrome at their own pace. By no means, I'm saying that it's easy. It's in a snap that you're going to get over imposter syndrome. It takes time and it varies person to person. Like any other human emotion, it's personable. What works for me may not work for you. Exactly. And I do remember when this recruiter told me this, I panicked a little bit because I was like, 
is it a weakness? <laughs> I feel this way a lot of the time. And luckily he was basically like, no, he didn't see it as a weakness either. So that's good. I'm, I'm glad you feel the same. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that too. I'm, I'm really glad that they didn't think it was a weakness either. Yes, there was a mutual agreement that it was just something that humans go through. On this note, and you've sort of alluded to this a little bit, can imposter syndrome be avoided at all? Personally, I think I'm always going to face imposter syndrome, but I feel that with time, I get better at coping with it, that I've learned to accept that, you know, I'll have these moments of doubts and these moments of where I don't feel I'm worthy, but with time and with experience, I'm going to be better at dealing with it and, and looking like I don't go through it. I learned this actually from so the person I connected with on LinkedIn, uh, Maya Grossman. She wrote this book called Invaluable. When I spoke with her before she released her book, she sort of advised me on this. You know, both young folk like us in college and people who are experienced professionals 10 to 15 years, they also go through imposter syndrome. The difference between us and them is that they've learned to deal with it. And what Maya does that I'm starting to do is every time I feel doubtful and every time I feel that things are not working out and it's probably because I'm not doing enough, I'll look at what I've achieved so far. And it's crazy to think that it would do so much for me to just like look back over two years and like the milestones I reach and how proud I am of them. But it really says a lot because, you know, there are times where you'll tell your friend and you'll be like, hey, like, I don't feel so good. Things aren't working out. Like, why can I do better? Like, what else do I need to do? And, you know, that your friends will, you know, they'll console you. They'll be like, no, you're doing great. And they'll tell you what you've done. But sometimes hearing from someone else doesn't help. You'll just shrug them off being like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But you still feel the same. So sometimes I think your best words actually do come from yourself. And so when you look back, I'll look back to undergrad where I led one of the largest community service clubs. And as much as I doubted myself and felt like that wasn't enough, I look back today and I'm just like, yeah, that's an accomplishment. Like I couldn't see myself doing that four years ago, but I did it. I never thought I'd post on LinkedIn. I never thought I'd be on a podcast. These little things that we do truly mark how far we've come and how far we grow. And so when it comes to can imposter syndrome be avoided or can we befriend it? I think we can when we, when we reaffirm ourselves that, hey, we are worthy. We'll have these moments of doubts, but we just need to remind ourselves again and again that we've done enough and we are capable people. Yes, I love that. And I just want to re-highlight two big things that I heard you say just now, which one was self-affirmation. I totally agree. There have been times in my life, honestly, where I've received a lot of like praise or congratulations for something I've done. But if I didn't feel great about it or I felt like I could have done better to get to that point or done it more efficiently, just giving myself a hard time, I can't accept compliments from other people or affirmations from others. So until you can self-affirm, I don't know if other people's words have as much value as they could. I couldn't agree more with you there. I think self-affirmation is definitely more important than it seems. I'm definitely the same way as you where I didn't take people's words until I felt myself that it was worthy. Because even when people were saying like, oh, it went well, I would be like, yeah, but I think it could have been better. So I definitely agree with you. Self-affirmation goes a long way. A super long way. And the second thing that you said that I just want to highlight is looking back on your accomplishments. This is something I personally struggle with. Like I really got to sit and think about it because day to day, there's so many tasks, right? Like I'm sure everyone has like a long task list that's impossible to get through in 24 hours. It's hard to reflect when there's so much to do that's due in the future. It's hard to look back on the past, but I, I agree with you. It's super important to think, okay, how far did I come to get to this point that I'm at now? When you're constantly looking at the vision, I feel like the point you're at now looks so small or so far away. 
but point A was like way farther back behind you than people typically remember. Yeah, I definitely totally agree there. It's a journey. You're, I feel that especially now because of COVID, staying at home, I think that's what's giving me more time to actually introspect. So before I also didn't really introspect on how far I've come. So I totally sympathize. If you haven't done that so far, don't feel bad because I've been there. But recently, I feel that being home all the time, I've gotten more time to think. And that's where I realize that I've actually done quite a few like milestones in my life that I should stop being so hard on myself. I even had a friend tell me like, I was working my internship and I was like talking to my mentor that day and she was like, would you, would you be interested in working full time? And I never thought that would have happened to me. Like I completely felt like it was a stroke of luck that that conversation happened. I started messaging my friend and then my friend was just like, why are you so, why, why are you so shocked? Like, why do you think this can't happen to you? And so that's where I'm just like, I need to stop thinking like things are just going to happen because of luck, but because of my hard work. So it goes back to just self-affirmation and reflecting that, you know, be proud of your accomplishments. Be proud of the effort you've made. Definitely. I agree. And it kind of reminded me of something I spoke to someone recently about building your brand. And they emphasize this need to write down adjectives or phrases or values that you have for yourself, but to also get that from other people like your friends and family that are close to you, like how do they see you? In the instance that you just described, I feel like this happens a lot to people who are impacted at all by imposter syndrome where we doubt ourselves, but then the people who know us and love us are like, what What do you mean? You deserve this. <laughs> this makes total sense to me. I'm glad your friend said that. Yeah, definitely. I'm super thankful for like friends I do have. And I think that's another good point to make out is that even though like self-affirmation is nice and I mentioned like sometimes your friend support's not enough, but I think it's important to still have that community because you don't want to be alone and you're not alone. Just saying like everyone out there that if you feel like you're going through imposter syndrome, we're all going through it at some point in our life. If the person next door is not, trust me, someone after that is. We all go through it, no matter how bright and golden like our Instagram or LinkedIn may look. That's just like usually how it looks on social media. But there is a lot of more work and a lot of true behind the scenes that people don't realize. So you're not alone. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Do you have any last words of wisdom for anyone tuning in about posture syndrome or your experiences? Yeah, I think what I said last time was the last thought I wanted to leave. You're not alone when you're going through imposter syndrome. And there are ways to deal with it. Differs from person to person, like I mentioned. But just know at the end of the day, you are capable. I can avoid imposter syndrome and deal with it. I'm sure you can somehow too. And if you ever do need help, there are many resources out there. Whether you want to reach out to people on LinkedIn, whether you want to reach out to people on IG, whether you want to read a couple of articles online, or just talk to someone. Honestly, just talking to a close friend that also helps just getting your thoughts across to realize what you really are going through. And, you know, there are many different types of imposter syndrome. Each person is going through it their own way. But that doesn't mean you're going through that journey alone. So don't be afraid to talk about your feelings. Don't be afraid to feel human, even though you're going through something like imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is human and we're all learning and we're all growing. So yeah, that's all I have to say. Mic drop moment right there. Thank you for saying that. And thank you again for joining us. It was great chatting with you. To anyone tuning in, thanks for joining us. And as always at Opal, we shine brighter together. See you next time.